There's a battle going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America Can We Talk with Debbie George Addis. On America Can We Talk, we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America Can We Talk starts now. Good evening and welcome. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. And I want to talk to you right away about tonight's First Five. There was a big event in England this past week, which is, involves a baby. It's very exciting and, and, very, uh, and just actually very newsworthy in America. So I want to talk about that first. Exciting isn't exactly the right word. It is very newsworthy in America. And I'm not talking about the birth of a royal baby, which is, of course, a beautiful thing. And I'm happy for the family. I want to talk, though, about baby Alfie Evans. This is the young baby under the, the uh, national health care system in England um, who was allowed to die, was forced to die this week uh, in a hospital. And I know it's a sad story. We had the same kind of similar story. We talked about it great length um, about a year ago right now, July of 2017, where we all talked about baby Charlie Gard. The reason I want to talk about this tonight with you and why it matters in America is... This is a prime great example of the difference in the society and the healthcare system and the outcome of the healthcare system and society in general when you start from the premise that the government owns the system and they decide for you what your healthcare options are. Versus in America, we are premised, we are society based on the liberty, based on what we talk about every week on the show, the idea that America was founded on the freedom of the individual, the rights of an individual who has rights from God simply because you were born. And because you have those rights, they include your right to live freely except for the limitations imposed by a government which we all choose and can change. In England, if you don't know the story, I'm going to run, because it was covered in such detail that I'm not going to run through a lot of the details, but just so you're clear what happened. This was a baby born to a, a young couple, a baby boy who appeared to be healthy, developed some health problem, very serious. The, uh, the um, National Health Care Service in England never was able to diagnose it, but this child ended up being, and I believe he was 19 months old, ended up being on a respirator in a hospital, and the, the national health care system, the national health system, the lauded socialized medicine in England, took away the right of the parents to make the decision about what kind of care this child should have, and ultimately about whether to pull the plug because the child was hooked up to a machinery to allow him to breathe. So... The system in England says the government owns a health care system. The government controls the family and the child. And the parents had no right to fight. They had a right to fight. But ultimately, the doctors and the hospital and then the courts decided that there was no further uh, reason to provide health care to this child, no further likely possible outcome. So just let the child die. Parents fought this. The hospital pulled the plug. And Charlie, and not Charlie Gard, this Alfie Evans uh, did not die as he was uh, expected to do right away. In fact, he survived several days, drawing international attention. But compounded on this, the country of Italy gave this young child, gave this family a choice. The country of Italy flew in and said they had a, a helicopter or an airplane outside the hospital ready to pick up this child, to transport him to Italy, to a different doctor, different hospital, to give this child a potential chance at life. This would have cost the healthcare system in England nothing. 
No, this is not a money issue. This is simply the healthcare system in England saying, no, we decide who lives and dies. You parents, you country of Italy, you don't get to help. We've decided his life isn't worth saving. So even though it wouldn't have cost him any money, even though the healthcare system in Italy was ready to take this child, ready to try to save him, the parents not only – and by the way, no money was involved for the parents either. They had raised money. People were, were donating money saying, let us try to help save this child. But this is a problem, folks, when we get back to socialism in America. Socialism anywhere. It's always about surrendering liberty to government-controlled society. It does not matter whether the government, and they did in England, they paint this story in compassionate terms and kind-hearted terms, and we're just doing the best. They were acting like they're doing this young baby, Alfie Evans, a favor to let him die. Now, look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not medically trained. I'm not arguing that I know that Italy could have done something. I am arguing that this is what why in America we must simply continue to fight to repeal Obamacare, continue to fight to repeal the idea that we're a society governed and premised by a government control over society and the rights of people only to the extent that people uh, can, are, are permitted by the government to try to, um, to try to have some, you know, some right, some power. It is, it is just an exact opposite. It is, are we a society based on individual liberty or a society based on the government control of society? England's chosen, England has surrendered their liberty. They've surrendered their health care system to the government. This case brought a lot of attention. We come back from the break. I'm going to tell you a few more reasons why it brought so much attention. But this is a reason in America to fight the idea of giving up the founding notion of America, the idea of America based on the rights of the individual, rights from God, simply because you were born in a country that is dedicated to protecting and preserving those rights. In fact, the government exists to protect and preserve those rights. This is why we must fight socialism in America why we must fight to repeal Obamacare. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. Don't go away. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. 
The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Can you hear us now? Can you hear and welcome back to American Can We Talk. You know, I want to add one more thing. We were talking before the break about the uh, situation involving this young infant in, in England, um, Alfie Evans. And, you know, I know there are a lot of people who say, well, but get realistic. They had months to examine this child, months to evaluate him. I mean, they have doctors and they've trained and they've been to medical school. They do, you know, it, it may have been that even if this child had been able to move to Italy and been in a hospital there and gotten the best Italian medical care available, that still the same result would have occurred. It's entirely possible. I'm not arguing that. I know that that child could be saved. But what I am arguing that matters so much is that it is a foundational premise about how you think about life in america our founders created a country 
around the basic idea of the rights of the individual, God-given rights, the country exists to protect and nurture. Under socialism, the basic premise of society is government controls society. And, and young Americans in our country who think they like socialism, they think it's because it's fairer, because somehow this, you know, sh- this government role of being in the middle of everything and controlling everything and redistributing wealth will somehow make life fairer for poor people, especially. But, you know, the profound unfairness of this situation and was Charlie Gard last year, Alfie Evans, and, and I'm telling you folks, thousands of cases you never hear about. The profound unfairness is, I'm just going to ask the question, I do not wish ill on anyone on the planet Earth. I would not want, I don't want anyone to develop any disease. But what do you think would happen in England if that new royal baby, the new royal baby born this past week, if that baby were to develop some extremely dangerous, life-threatening condition? Do you actually think the National Health Service in England would tell the royal family, you cannot take that child out of the country for care. You know the answer. We all know the answer. This is a problem in socialism. It always is worse for the poorest of the people. This is this. I mean, you look at Venezuela, Cuba, all the places where they're trying socialism. It's always worse for the poor. And these young Americans who've been duped into thinking that somehow socialism make life, makes life fairer, they are, and is to a certain degree, the fact and reality in our society that young people think socialism is a nice, friendly thing, it is the fault of the adults in our society, the fault of the school system and the Americans who teach children those ideas. And the socialist concept we're seeing played out in front of us in this healthcare situation, this is the reason in America to fight socialism at every single level. The notion of, you know, socialism has these technical, and we've talked about it at great length in the show, the technical definitions, what Marx said and all these other great writers said, the basic concept is, are we a liberty-based society or a government-control-based society? America is supposed to be about liberty, and so we should need to insist on that as a basic springboard for all of our discussions on all issues. But, okay, that's enough on that. I just, I, I'm very sorry for those parents. Obviously, everybody is, uh, you know, can't hardly even stand to think about the loss of a young child, but the larger concept, what you can do about besides being upset and, and lamenting, the uh, loss of life in that case, what you can do about it is to be more active in America, to respond when you hear people say, well, I think I'm a socialist. I really like, no, speak up, point out what's so wrong with it, point out cases like this. I'll tell you another reason that the, um, the uh, whole healthcare system in England could not tolerate letting this child go. Wouldn't cost him a penny. But if a child got help in Italy or any other country, you'd have the people in the system saying, wait, People in England, wait, I thought the reason we had the National Health Service is because it made the best system ever. But obviously, it did not. It did not. The healthcare system and socialist governments in general have to defend their control of society as the best and most noble thing. They can't have people figuring out that freedom works better. They just can't. Okay, changing topic entirely. And, you know, every week, folks, I tell you these two hours race 
by. There are more topics than time, and I cannot let tonight's show go by. We have a, we have two guests in studio actually coming up at six thirty, um, and they are here in the studio actually with me right now, Caleb and Joshua Waller, and they're going to be talking about a project called and I <clears throat> maybe pronounce it incorrectly, and they can correct me, but Project Hayoval. It involves American Israel. Just love it. But I do want to comment briefly in the um, five minutes we have in this segment about a, a completely different topic, but that matters so much. And this is an ongoing discussion we've had in this show. And this has to do with the latest, the latest information we now have about what I'm just going to call was an absolute coup attempt in the United States of America put together by the Clinton Foundation, the, Obama, the Clinton team, and the, the, uh, not the Clinton Foundation, but the Clinton campaign, the Obama people, the people inside the FBI, Department of Justice, who decided during the 2016 presidential campaign they were going to destroy Donald Trump's campaign. And then even after he won election, they were going to take him down with this entire hoax of Russia-Trump collusion in the 2016 election cycle. And I'm just going to tell you the thing that happened this week. I can't urge you strongly enough. This may be the kind of story where you think, oh my gosh, I'm so sick of hearing about this. It's been going on forever. Can't we move on? Folks, if we do not hold accountable the people in our government, the Department of Justice, the people in the FBI, and it turns out now people in the State Department in the middle of trying to perpetuate a hoax that somehow Trump colluded with the Russians to win the 2016 elections, we are surrendering ourselves to lawlessness. We're surrendering ourselves to tyranny. The latest thing that happened just this past Friday, the House Intelligence Committee report was released to the public. The House Intelligence Committee, along with the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee, has been, Intelligence Committee, has been investigating this whole allegation that supposedly Donald Trump or people working for him colluded with the Russians during the 2016 campaign to hurt uh, Hillary Clinton, to bring uh, Trump, uh, I mean, to hurt Donald Trump. And so... Anyway, to hurt Hillary Clinton. What I want to get at, though, what came out, which is so, I mean, these are now from our own investigators. Besides that, the House Intelligence Committee concluded that there was no collusion between Trump and Russia to hurt Hillary. No evidence whatsoever. And neither, by the way, of Mueller, who's still ongoing, no evidence Mueller has uncovered of any collusion of any kind by anyone from the Trump campaign with the Russians to impact the 2016 election cycle. But the other things that came out of this report that you need to read about and everything I talk about tonight is available on our website, americacanwetalk.org. Three amazing things. One is Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, who has been on the show twice, I think, um, and not since all the trouble started, but pr- prior to that, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn did not lie. He did not lie. He should not have been charged with anything. Number two, the director of national intelligence, James Clapper, was in the middle of this from the beginning, spreading information about this fake dossier to CNN. And, and Clapper, Clapper was in the middle of it 
not only um, giving information to CNN about the uh, dossier, and then so CNN comes out with a story claiming the high-level officials, which is a clapper, and then the next course, you know, within two seconds, BuzzFeed then released the whole dossier, getting the whole thing rolling. And the thing was, Clapper was the manipulative in the middle of it all. He's the one that told James Comey, then head of FBI, that he better talk to President Trump or, or candidate Trump to tell him that news sources had this story. Clapper manipulated the entire story. He manipulated getting Comey to talk to Trump so that Trump says, well, I can't believe if they had that, they didn't put it out. So, and now they've got a news hook, which is what uh, CNN was looking for. So CNN runs the story, BuzzFeed runs the story. And also, I mean, Clapper is in the middle of all of this. And Clapper, in case you've forgotten, is the same one, the director of national intelligence, James Clapper, same one who lied under oath to Congress about whether or not there was any uh, any of the spying on America by the NSA, which uh, had been alleged. And he said, oh, no, 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 this is crazy. We would never spy on America. We didn't do that. And this is that led to the whole Snowden thing, because Snowden said, yes, they did. And he released proof of it. Well, Clappers had to backtrack and say, okay, actually, well, yeah, I did talk to CNN. And as a matter of fact, maybe a few other sources. Now they think about it. I guess I did. So why is he not being charged with perjury? I mean, let me say other way. He better be charged with perjury. He better be charged uh, with lying to the FBI because these are crimes. And it's not only a crime if you're a little guy who can't do anything about it. It's a crime when you are James Clapper. And this is a guy happily manipulating the American people to think that the president they chose was so corrupt that he should be removed from office. The entire effort of all the players we've talked about since the beginning of this story, that within the FBI, the Department of Justice, and now State Department people will have to get back to that point later, but these, all these people were trying to take out a duly elected president of the United States with a lie with a hoax. And this is now it has come to the forefront. Everyone's recognizing it. The question is, do we have the backbone in America to indict people like James Clapper? I certainly hope so. Okay, guys, go off to our break. We have 10 seconds here. I'm Debbie George Jass, America Can We Talk. We come back. We're changing subjects again to the Hayaval project between America and Israel and two guests in the studio, Caleb and Joshua Waller. Don't go away. Our nation faces a choice, the path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility, whether informed the national debate on property rights, energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. 
That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. There's a lot of talk today among media, in academia, in our culture, about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers, it's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. So glad you've joined us tonight. And I have in studio tonight, in fact, you know what? First of all, if you're on Facebook Live, thank you. Hello. Happy to have you listening. And uh, we have in studio tonight, I mentioned before the break, two gentlemen who are actually twins. And they, uh, their dad started a project that involves America and Israel. And it is called Project Hayoval. And um, I'm going to let them, I want one of them, maybe go back and forth. But I just thought this was the coolest darn thing, as my listeners know. My husband's business partner is an Israeli citizen. 
We've been to Israel. Uh, he's been there many times. I've been there a couple of times. I'm so grateful for the country of Israel and the example it sets in the Middle East. So uh, I want them to get started and tell us about Project Hivel. So this is Joshua and Caleb Waller. And welcome. Awesome. Thanks Thank for you. Having us on. Yeah, thank you for having us here, Debbie. This is amazing. And I mean, I can't tell you how awesome it is to be here in Dallas with you. Um, wow. Where do you start with Israel, Josh? I mean, truly it is a place of like innovation, a place of hope, a place of strength. I mean, you guys here in Dallas, you guys really, to, to grab hold of the reality of Israel, you really have to go experience it, see it, connect to it. And Josh and I have literally been working in the land of Israel the past 14 years, and uh, we've seen the agriculture in Israel explode. Literally, uh, we've taken real estate that was like nothing but like rocks and briars, and now seen it explode to producing some of the best wine in the world, right? And so that's really kind of, in essence, the mission of Hayuval is to get in there and bring Christian volunteers from all over the globe, which we brought in about 30 volunteers, and we pick grapes. I mean, it's it's actually just as simple and as easy as that. And uh, I know, Debbie, you're, you're into politics here and stuff. I know a lot here with what you talk about, and you told us when we walk in the studio, guys, I'm not going to bore you with that. But the truth <laughs> is, Israel's a hotbed for that. I mean, politics and Israel, some reason, go in the same We're, we're not supposed to be political, but uh, <laughs> you know, when, you, when, you, when you're Christians and you're serving in what the world calls the West Bank, and if we read our Bible, we got a Bible sitting here in front of us because that's who we are. But you read your Bible, you will not find West Bank in there. So we're talking about biblical Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and that's where we're working. And it's amazing to see actually how much they talk about these areas right in our very own Bibles. I love that. And you're right. You know, we were just in Israel uh, in, a year ago, my husband and I were, and uh, his partner has a a home in that area, uh, and as has his son. And so both of them were, were very careful to say this is Samaria. Well, I, I was saying Judea, but you're saying Judea, so I'll, I'll go that with that. I'm not sure which is correct. But <laughs> in any either case, one's good. Yeah, in any case, it was really, you know, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because I do want you to tell about your dad's first trip there and what he observed because your dad was a, is a farmer. Yep. So his first trip he observed. So dad was there. He We came uh, 2004. He made his first trip. And uh, we were farming organic produce at the time back in the hills of Tennessee. And uh, Dad grew up Baptist, you know, and he knew that Israel had some big part, and he read it in the Bible, but he didn't really know what that was until uh, he came to Israel in 2004. He met one farmer, and that farmer opened up to the prophecies of Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Joel, and you just keep going. But he, he read these prophecies to him, and Dad said, well, this is something that God is doing now. And Dad said, boy, I can't read anywhere in these prophecies that are talking about the, my farm, the hills of Tennessee. It's talking about the hills of Samaria and Judea. And Dad said, as a farmer, what greater call could we have? And that's where we started, right there, uh, 2004. We started to go back and forth from America. And uh, it, thankfully, Dad, uh, he had his own troop. There's seven of us boys and uh, four girls in the family and so we had quite the farm team to kick this thing off. Farm team, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. But your dad recognized, I mean, that, um, that because he is a farmer, he recognized that certainly at harvest time, I mean, there are just times you have to have a lot of people together at the same time. I mean, that, the basic idea you have to have, yeah. I absolutely, yeah. And I think that's a question a lot of people ask us. So what in the world? I mean, Israel's the leading country there. I mean, when agriculture, I mean, you go to the land of Israel today, you're like, Wow. What is, what's just happened in the last 70 years, which, by the way, guys, hey, something to party about is Israel just celebrated its 70th anniversary. Woo-hoo. Unbelievable, yep. guys. Yep. I mean, that should have some applause. Keep your hand on the <laughs> straight right, right. You should be clapping in the car right now <laughs> for that. Right. Guys, it's awesome what they have contributed to the world. But as a farmer, okay, you've got a grape – like you say you got a vineyard you're working in, okay? You can have like 
two or three workers throughout majority of the year. And then when harvest season kicks in, you need about like 150 people to show up and say, boom, here I am to harvest your grapes. And so that's what we've done. And, and it's truly, it's nothing short of a miracle. I'll tell you guys, it's a miracle. Israel is exploding with life. These farmers are on the verge of bankruptcy. They had, there was multiple reasons, and, and we can get into that later maybe as to why they didn't have the labor force there to do the job. But for the Christian community of the world to get up and say, okay, hey, we want to see Israel blossom and bloom. We want to see this place come alive. It's like the farmers literally are standing there in the vineyard speechless. Almost at times I've seen them stand there, watch us pick the grapes with just tears streaming down their eyes saying, is this truly the nations, the Christian world coming and supporting us in this effort to establish the land? I mean, you know, it's, it, you have to Heart like, melting. It, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, like truly, I mean, to, to and for me. The fact that I'm able to take a, a piece of real estate and put a grape in the ground or a vineyard plant or an olive tree, and that land has not seen life for 2,000 years is, is, I believe, one of the most prophetic events in history. I love to have you, if you would, you were mentioning different prophecies, uh, prophecies in the Bible that this Hebrew farmer, J- Jewish farmer, was telling your dad about. I mean, can you, in a, I, I don't know, I don't want you to read a whole bunch of, but <laughs> exactly. can you tell, like, look, kind of what kind of things are being prophesied? Little nutshells. Yeah, yeah got, no, totally. We've got, like, five minutes here, Josh, yeah, so exactly. don't just read so through the real whole. quick, yeah. yeah. So in Jeremiah, it says that uh, you'll, you'll plant vines again on the mountains of Samaria. Just real quick, bam, that's what it takes. So for 2,000 years, this words of Jeremiah have been sitting on the pages without a shovel behind them. And right now, right now, we've there's there's uh, boots on the ground that are seeing the words of these prophets. And Ezekiel says, shoot forth your branches, O mountains of Israel, for your people are coming home. And yeah. they're both happening. The people of Israel returning home, and it's directly connected. It's the one thing we've missed for so long is, is Israel and the agriculture, people and land, are so connected. Let, let me speak to that for a second, David, because I know you're getting, getting a thought on this. But the reality is this. The land of the Bible is basically has been a historical place for much of the Christian world here. But all of a sudden, Israel is back on the world stage, and much of us in the Christian world are asking us this question, what is Israel? How is Israel fit into this picture? And the truth is, guys, when we're discussing prophecy, you have to look at the Bible and say, okay— the Bible is a is a history book that basically happened from Genesis to Revelations, and it's on this particular piece of real estate called Israel. And then the land lie desolate for 2,000 years, and then all of a sudden, just in the last 70 years, Israel has come back to life. And that's exactly what the prophets foretold that was going to happen. So truthfully, guys, we should look at that and go, wow. I mean, and to quote my dad, my dad <laughs> says, you know, much of the Christian community, they like to, you know, study prophecy just in the sense of studying it. He said, uh, you know what? We look at prophecy as a to-do list. It has to be done. I you like know, that. I like right, that prophecy as a to-do list. <laughs> I love that. So uh, we still, uh, with your dad getting this started, he went over there in 2004. And so over the years, first of all, did one of you tell me, is your, are all of the, your siblings, like all 11 of you are working in this That's project? Right. Yeah, all 11 of us. We're hardcore with it. That, Dad that laid okay. out a vision, and we said, yes, that's what you know, we Speaking of the family here, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a madhouse, I'll be honest with you, because like, there's seven <laughs> of us are married, and uh, Josh just working, welcomed his first baby girl into the world. Oh, congratulations. congratulations. I have four little girls, and I've got a fifth baby on the way coming in July. But the, out of that, that, my fifth child being born is my, my parents' 25th grandchild. And by the way, their oldest grandchild seven years old. So we got 25 grandchildren oh, under seven. Gracious. So you can imagine my mom and dad. But my mother is very proud of the fact that she hasn't missed a birth yet, even though she's had to travel from, from Sweden to Norway to, I mean, all over the universe to catch up with all of her children where we are, you know, in this mission. But uh, but no, all of us are working full time in the mission work along with a, with a host of other staff. And it's truly is. And I, I personally believe we're starting a movement of action, a movement of people that are saying, hey, I'm tired of talking about all this stuff. Let's actually do something. 
So what are we talking in numbers? You talk about, first of all, is it once a year the harvest season or is it twice a year? How many? How frequently are your trips and how many people go? So yeah. we have trips coming up all the time. Like right now we're headed over next week to Israel to actually lead a tour. We're calling it a recognized Jerusalem tour. So we lead, we're, we're leading these groups in to do these things, but we're also bringing people in for harvesting. And that's like a 10-week amount of time. So people are coming for two weeks, three weeks, six weeks, uh, all the way up to 10 weeks for that uh, harvest season. That's how long a harvest season, that harvest season goes, 10 weeks. the entire time, but we have people coming in. We got programs all year round now. I mean, that's basically, we have a campus in Israel. I mean, it's, it's, to get into that side of it, it's it's nothing short. Israel just gave my family a, you know, a visa to be there in the land. It's like unbelievable what God has done. But uh, the reality is, is we got programs all year round. Uh, Haivel today is the largest volunteer organization in the land of Israel. Wow. Okay. So you have, you said several trips throughout the year. So the harvest season must just kind of go sequentially. Sequ- what the right word is sequentially throughout the year. Well, I mean, we have grape harvest is from September through October, and okay. that's, so that's the grape harvest. And then we have olive harvest after that, and then we got a men's pruning trip because you got to tend those vines, which needs about you know a couple hundred guys to come in and do that. And uh, I mean, it's and then we have summer trips and tours, and it's we have a campus there that we now have run, which we can house about two hundred people at a time. Where, at this where's the campus house? Campus, where's... yeah, it's just north of Jerusalem, about forty-five minutes uh, on the in, Mount of Blessing. Mount of Blessing, yeah. It's Go back cool to stuff. the Bible; it's where Joshua says, "As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." It's an awesome. Place. It's amazing. All place. right, yeah. it's cool stuff. Okay, it is. Well, we're going to zip off to break. When we come back. I want to find out. So, for our listeners, you know, if you thought this sounded really cool, how do you do this? Are the are these just uh, like entire churches go or the family? I mean, who goes? How do you get signed up? And then also, I think you were telling me when we met um, last month that when you're there, you do the harvest work and you do work hard, but there's some period of time dedicated to being able to tour Israel, too. So mm-hmm. those are the kind of things I want to um, talk about when we come back. Debbie George Addis and the Waller Twins on America Can We Talk. Come right back. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high, to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. 
If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. Okay, we're having a lot of fun in the studio tonight. If you're just tuning in, I have two guests in the studio who happen to be twins. Um, and they are Caleb and Joshua Waller. And they're with the Hayaval Project, which is based... It's an American project, but it is, involves work in Israel. And the basic thing they do, uh, and they say it far more eloquently than I, but they take people over to Israel to help Israeli farmers at harvest time or maybe just to trim. Uh, it's mainly, mainly grape harvest and the olive harvest and help them trim. Just just help the Israeli farmers with really a workforce they, they don't have available. So they don't have a sufficient workforce available. So... American, I guess not just American, but Christians go as part of this mission. So what if someone listening thought, gee, I want my family wants to go. How do you get to sign up to get to go? You go to the website, thehyuvel.com, and you look on there. You probably should spell that, Josh, because people are going to have a time. of options. That's right. So it's H-A-Y-O-V-E-L. Dot com h a y o v e l dot com or you can just it? Google like volunteer in Israel and it'll pop oh, up. Oh, yeah. not, volunteer in Israel, it's like we're we're there. What does Hayavah mean? The Jubilee. That's what I thought. I said that to someone who's Jewish. He said, "Oh, that's a Jubilee." Yeah, <laughs> very agricultural. <laughs> yes, for sure. 
Okay. So if people get signed up, what is the experience like? I mean, you, you, where do you live when you're working on these farms? So a typical and- day that we've got rocking when we're, when we're there in the land is, is you uh, wake up in the morning very early and we, you're seeing that sunrise come up. You're touching the dirt of Israel in a typical day. But the dirt is not just any dirt. You're talking about places that we all know and we've never been to this part of the world. We're talking about Shiloh where the tabernacle rested for 369 years. We're talking about the Mount of Blessing, where we're actually living. Your headquarters are Mount of Blessing. You're just putting your head down where Joshua would have back in the day. So you live at the headquarters when you're working there. That's where all the volunteers come to. And we're shipping out in buses every day all over from Hebron, as far down as Hebron. Everybody knows Hebron. That was where Caleb, that's where he... Took my mountain, right? That's right. I was about 80 years old then, so I don't Or you you look over the mountain the other direction. It's where Abraham, uh, Alon Moray, it's where God spoke to Abraham and said, to you and your descendants, I will give this land. And by the way, God hasn't changed his mind about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we maybe talk about that a little bit. But these kind of places, they're. I mean, a typical day. Let's let's throw a typical day for you guys out there. I mean, literally, you're getting up in the morning and you're getting your fingers dirty. You're getting out in the fields and working for a few hours. Like basically, I'd say we get out to the fields by maybe by sun, sunrise, which is about five thirty six. Then we work till noon. And then afternoon, then we usually have like a nap because usually people are a little tired once you get up that early. And then in the evenings, we've got usually bring in guest speakers and we bring in like all kinds of amazing guys, even Knesset members and yeah, guys come out. And it's, it's a full-blown, I mean, it's a packed three-week trip of just connecting, getting into the like the reality of Israel. And like it's not, you don't just see the places, you feel the places, you experience the places. And it's and to me, guys, it's, it's truly most Christians that have a heart for Israel. They go to the land. They, uh, you know, they, they go there for a tour, and, and, and a lot of guys are just kind of like, okay, I'm tired of just seeing all the sites. I actually want to do something, you know? Like, yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's, like today I went down to downtown Fort Worth to the, to the I guess you call it the stockyard, right? And that's like yeah. the tourist attraction. And I'm walking around, I'm kind of like, there's more to Fort Worth than this, I know. I mean, I love that. <laughs> it was full. It was fun, you know, to see the stockyards. But the reality of it, guys, is that if you really want to get to the backbone of things, I went and spoke at a cowboy church this morning. Well, Oh. That's where you get down to the like the real backbone of Texas. You know, you meet, you meet the real cowboys, and this is really what we are. We're all about. We get people to the to the real stuff. We take them to the real people and get them connected to the land. And these guys leave that country, leave Israel, as a, like an ambassador with the spirit of Joshua and Caleb, saying the land is good and it's prospering. So that that's the mission. Do they do get a little bit of time to do touring? Oh yeah. oh yeah. Typically, it's four days a week that we're working in the fields, and that's a tour in itself because you're working, like I said, in these sure. amazing biblical places. But two days of the week, we take specifically off just to tour. So that's going to everywhere, Jerusalem and every place that you wanted on your uh, tour. We're, we're hitting it. Yeah. I remember my, I, uh, my husband uh, has been there many times because of his business. And uh, when they had started some new business over there, his partner, he had, I don't remember what it was. But in any case, they did a little bit of a scavenger hunt as like a get to know each other thing. And so my husband was there. And one of the clues was, Go to the uh, go to the valley where uh, David slew Goliath, mm. and, and you know he's like, "You're kidding!" I mean, this is real, but the, it's so. I mean, Israel. If you haven't, many uh, Texans have been there, but if you haven't been there, it is it, the Bible. You'll never read it the same way. You, it won't. It'll feel different when you come home and read it because you. Uh, I've been there. I've seen that, and like you know, Gethsemane is just so right. moving. I mean, anyway, it, so this is a great adventure. So. I mean, anything else you want to add about their day and their time over there? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me, and and give you guys kind of perspective that I feel when I'm in the land, because I've brought hundreds and now getting into the thousands of people there, is that so many people come to Israel with the idea, and our tour groups lead there, and they strictly focus on the historical context of the country, that you want to show you the thousand-year-old places and the walls of Jerusalem, which it's beautiful, it's awesome and grand. 
most tours uh, don't necessarily focus on the present because too political, right? Because they're like, yeah, you know, we want this to be a vacation, something like that, right? Or most people don't focus on the future because it's too theological, right? And the reality of it is if you can't bring the past, present, and future together in the land of Israel by connecting them to the reality of what's going on there and also giving them a dream for what the future might look like for that place, then you're failing at your tour in Israel. And so, guys, that's that's the the heartbeat of what I feel. When, I'm, when I got guys out there on the land, I'm going, guys, don't look at what this looks like today. But think about what it did look like, realize what it is looking like, and then dream about what it might look like here in the future. And that, I believe, is the key to what needs to take place in the land of Israel across the board. If you're talking political, you're talking theological, you're talking everything, relationships between you know Arabs and Israelis, everything needs to have a future and a dream to it. And that's that truly needs to be the backbone of what needs to happen there. Another pitch I want to make about Israel that I think is just uh, it just jumps out at you when you're there, which is Israel has a very, despite its ancientness and they and they're they're wonderful and, and they were we were there they had been digging they were going to be putting a, a parking lot in or something like that and right. they come across something archaeological and everything stops. And they get the archaeologists and whoever it is, and they figure out what is it and how old is it and how do we preserve it. They're so careful to preserve not just Jewish history, but the Christian history, history that Christians would care about. Um, so they're, they're, they're really wonderful that way. But the other thing that's so special about Israeli culture, which I want to get to maybe a little bit of politics. Okay, you don't have to be political, but that's like that's where I live. Yeah, but um, is there is such a love of the culture of Western civilization, of just freedom of speech, the robust debate of ideas ideas, the constant, the, the willingness, you know, my, I mentioned one of the companies my husband was involved in, we had dinner one time out with whoever these people were, they were involved in running the company, and two of them at dinner, one of them was leaving the dinner early to go to a peace march or something. I mean, she was kind of more in the liberal end of things and she was going, and then the other people at the dinner were in the opposite end of things. And they were, they thought she, no, no, don't march. I think she was marching somehow in something related to the, uh, what the, uh, left-wing worldview would call the occupied territory. She was talking about, well, we got to give them something back. And the other ones are coming and saying, no, 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 no. You know, so I guess, anyway, so they, they have a very uh, a Western culture of freedom and freedom of speech and really a, a society filled with people. It's not, Israel's not filled with 100% Jewish citizens. They have Muslim citizens and Christian citizens and Jewish citizens. And you know what? They just function like a free society. You get to vote. Mm-hmm. You get to elect people to Knesset, and so including electing Muslims to the Knesset. I mean, just this notion that that uh, Jew, the Israel is just run by the Jews is not is not an accurate picture. So let me turn and ask you. You you mentioned earlier you try not to call it the West Bank. Give a little more detail about why why not. Yeah, so the the whole West Bank thing just it's that's a relatively uh, modern creation. So when when you go to Israel, you have to go uh, ancient. That's just the way you got to go if you want to know the real detail, because there is there is an ancient history to the land of Israel that's absolutely fascinating, and most of us can go straight to our Bible and find that. We all got the history book laying in our. Uh, hopefully, it's not laying anywhere. Hopefully, it's being used every day. But that's the we have this history book that we can read and learn about this place, and in that history book, we're going to find all kind of things. There's one thing that uh, people hate to to bring up when they're talking about. If they if they say the West Bank, it goes along with connotations that they want to. It goes along with two state connotations. Yeah. Um, and so West Bank, two states, same box. It's a creation of something that's really not real. Palestinian is a made up people group. The it's a it's a relatively new thing as well. It, it's 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 uh, they're all uh, Middle Eastern people that came from either Jordan, Syria, uh, even Egypt. 
uh, Iraq, Lebanon, all the, there, there are people that have come from all these areas that have been created into this, this people group that have brought on this name, uh, West Bank, as a political uh, thing to try tool. to pull against. Because you know how many Bible-believing Christians there are that would say, um, Judea and Samaria? Judea. Let's hold on just a second. Let's just take Judea. Judea. Where do the <laughs> Jews live? The Jews live in Judea. You don't even have to have you know, a really good working brain to, to put these two things together. So they're trying to get away from that so that we can separate it from the, the reality. So that's that's one thought on let, that. Let me throw something in there, too, that I think is really important for all you guys out there listening to, to grab a hold of this. And that is that um, – let me just ask you a basic question, and I hope you can either nod your head yes or no to this. And that is that <laughs> – Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, raise your hand. Yeah, just well, you know, be safe. But at the same time, guys – are you tired of the politics that have surrounded Israel so long? I mean, truly, I mean, as long as I've been alive, it's something that every president that I've known, I'm just, I'm, I'm a young guy, I guess I'm only 27, <laughs> but as long as I can remember, there's always been this phenomenon, okay, how, what's Israel, whose side, this side, this sort of thing, and, and all you guys are probably out there going, okay, what in the world is this thing? Why is it capturing the attention of every leader in the world? Why is it capturing the attention of the American people? And the fact that, like, if I ask you guys, okay, where's the, uh, what's the capital of Zimbabwe? Most of you guys probably wouldn't even know, right? But if I say, what's the capital of Israel? You all go, Jerusalem, right? That's like the, the reality, right? So for some reason, we know this place. It's connected to us. It doesn't matter who you are, what spectrum you're on, what your belief is, Ethan. You know, if you're right-wing, left-wing, political, whatever you are, there's there's something there that connects you to it. And I'll, I'll give you guys my basic 30-second opinion of this and why I feel it's, it's captured the attention of the world. Number one, this land is a piece of real estate that I believe is neither political nor is it theological. And when you take this place and make it theological or make it political, you're basically disrupting its exact purpose. Because Israel's not a debate. Israel's not a debate politically, nor is it a debate theologically. Israel, I believe, is the land that God is using to show the world who he is and what he's doing. So guys, as a Christian, I believe the only platform you can stand on is the Bible, and if you try to make a political statement as to why Israel exists, or you try to make a theological statement as to why Israel exists, then you're going to get off on a, on a tangent that's totally going to be no foundation. You have to stand on the Bible and the covenant that God made with Abraham and the foundation of the Jewish people back in the land. That's the land of Israel and why it's captured the attention of the globe. I love that, and this is going to sound harshly political in line of that beautiful thing you just said, yep. but I also love that President Trump has been willing recently, only like 30 seconds left, but uh, you know, been willing to say that every other nation gets to designate the capital where they would like the American mm-hmm. embassy to be, yep. and no other country do we say, no, we can't do that. We're yep. going to listen to your, your enemies tell us mm-hmm. something different. So I, I don't know how you felt about it. I applauded President I'm applauding. Trump. We're applauding. Amazing. Celebrating and, and in the face, of, that's what I love, so love about what Trump's doing is because it's in the face of three. Hundred resolutions in the UN yeah. to say Israel down with Israel. So the hats off, man. This hey, is the best thing that's happened. I'm ecstatic. I really am. Caleb and Joshua Weller, I thank you so very much again. H a y o v e l dot com. Com. Check out their work. Check out this organization. This was too short, but thank you both so much <laughs> hey, for man, coming man, in. Time. So happy to be on here with you. Thank you. Folks, we'll be right back to America. Can we talk? 